0: As far as I can tell, it's a tradition at least as old as our country. If you make something that you're proud of, you put your name on it. Tool makers are who are confident that their products will stand the test of time stamp their name proudly right into the metal that is used to make their tools. Artists who are particularly pleased with how a painting has finished up brush their name right into the corner. Apparel and shoe companies believe that their products are so far superior to their competitors that they soak their name right into the fabrics that they will use to make those shoes and clothes. Truthfully though, this practice is certainly even much older than our country. And I don't mean simply that people in other countries before it and in generations past did the same thing. I mean that it is old in perhaps the truest sense and that it finds its origin in a practice of God himself. In our reading for tonight, we heard those familiar words that we hear close our service On many Sundays here at peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. These words are often referred to as the Aaronic benediction. That title comes from the fact that they were given by God himself to Aaron, the high priest. He and the other priests, his sons, were to speak these words over the people. But then he also attached a word of promise to those particular words. When we read this section in the scriptures, we're often drawn to those words we know first and foremost, for they are words that kind of provide a rhythm in our life. They're words that are very familiar and precious to us. Just think how odd it would be if on a Sunday morning after receiving communion, we didn't hear a benediction. Yes, so we're often drawn to the words themselves. But tonight I want to take time to draw your attention to the promise that God attached to those words. He did so right after giving them the words they were to speak. He told Aaron that when he or any of his priests pronounced these words over the people, God's name would be placed upon them. Yes, God's name would be put right upon his people. It would be stamped into their metal. It would be painted onto their canvas. It would be soaked into their fabric. For those of us who live in the New Testament church, When we come and gather for divine service, we receive a reminder both at the beginning of the service and at the end of the service that God places his name upon his people. We begin the service with the invocation, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We speak those words in one way to ask God to be present with us according to his promise. But we also speak those words to be reminded that god's name was placed upon us for the first time when we were baptized into christ and that those very words in the name of the father son and holy spirit were spoken over us that day when god placed his name on us when he claimed us as his own and then as i mentioned at the end of the service we hear those words that were given to aaron The pastor ends the service with saying, the Lord bless and keep you. And yes, when your pastor speaks those words, God is doing his work. He is placing his name upon you again. He sends you out not only with his blessing, but in particular with the blessing of his name upon you. So God's name is upon you. But what's the importance of that? Well, since God's name rests upon you, God's reputation in the world now depends on you. Your life and your words affect his reputation. Think of it like this. If craftsmen put out a brand new type of tool and it proved itself rock solid in construction and perfect for the job it was intended to do, Well, craftsman's reputation would increase, for its name would be right there on the tool. However, if they put out a product that began to fall apart, the second anyone began to use it, craftsman's reputation would be damaged. So also it is with God's reputation. His reputation in this world is scarily tied to the performance of his people. In the Lord's prayer, we pray, Hallowed be thy name. Now, of course, the catechism reminds us that God's name, of course, in and of itself is holy. It's not that we are making his name holy. However, what we are praying for in that petition is that his name would be kept holy among us in the places where we have been called to live. In essence, we're praying that those things in our world which bear God's name would magnify God's reputation in the world. And that means in part we are praying for ourselves when we pray this prayer. We are praying that the witness we give day by day might bring glory and honor to his name rather than bringing shame upon it after all whether we like it or not people generally judge christ first by what christians do by how they act you see if someone wants to know more about jesus they do not usually just go to a library or a bookstore and get a bible and begin to read about jesus No, instead first they watch those who bear his name if they see things like goodness truthfulness and merciful kindness, then they might just ask more about that one whose name is written right on those people. So yes, when we pray the petition that we focus on tonight, we are asking that we ourselves might lead pure and decent lives in order that the world might see that and wonder where it comes from, We do this, of course, never to bring ourselves glory, but in order that God's reputation in the world might become greater and greater as people watch his creation and his children. But we're not only praying for ourselves when we pray this petition, we're ultimately praying for everything in the world that bears Christ's name. And so just to name a few, we are praying for Christian universities, that they might stand firm in the faith, rather than give in to societal pressures to change what they teach and how they practice. We are praying for all of the various congregations in our world that call themselves by Christ's name, that they might preach the word of God purely and that they might administer the sacraments as Christ has instituted them. And we're praying for every last person who opens up their mouth with the intention of speaking for Christ that they might do so in accord with his order and in line with his word. Yes, God's name is holy. It's holy because God is holy. But we want it to be regarded as holy where we live. And no doubt it seems that where we live today, God's name is not always regarded as holy. People seem at least a good portion to look poorly upon God and upon any institution or person that bears his name. And what does that mean? Well, it means then that we need to pray this prayer more fervently, more sincerely and more often. We need to confess our sins, those times when we bring shame upon God's name and ask God to give us the help of his Holy Spirit in order that our lives instead might bear great witness to the goodness and mercy of our God. We need to encourage anyone who uses God's name to use it properly and to confess the times when they have not. And finally, we need to learn quickly that if anyone sees something good in us and is drawn to us, that we quickly need to point them to Jesus in order that they might have real life. For when God's name is regarded as holy, people are drawn to him. Then they hear his word and his promises, and they live. They come to Jesus and are saved. And so we pray, Hallowed be thy name. May your name, O Lord, be hallowed among us forever. Amen.